Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae is returning record amounts of money to Mississippians, whether it's through the College and Career Savings Program or the millions in unclaimed money awaiting your claim. Treasurer David McRae says get your application and claims today. Treasury.ms.gov. What is up on a Monday? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator here is Colin Brister. We appreciate you hanging out with us on a fine Monday. Um, I wouldn't call it a packed show, but an interesting show. The Ole Miss baseball gets a... I mean, I would say it, it's a season-altering win. It felt like a crossroads. Yeah. I mean, they get a, uh, they back in a series at Arkansas, a really important win. For a team that hadn't been playing good baseball for a while, it feels like they're starting to figure it out. We'll get into that. Some lineup construction notes... Um, Cole Zabowski was really, really good as he's been all year. Um, Tyler Myers delivered again in the finale. Um, I would bet that that kid's not going to go 10 days again without Probably not. I think he's going to get some innings. I wrote that today. So, (laughs) anyway, we'll get into that. Some An incredible weekend of basketball. That was honestly one of my favorite sweets. I feel like I say this every other year because you forget how great all these games are. Yeah. But just a fantastic set of games Friday. I was happy for Virginia yesterday. Yes, I was. I was crushed for Purdue. That sucked, but they'll be. They, I mean, Virginia deserved that. So, they deserved a break. We'll get into all that, but I guess first off, how are you? Uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm a lot better than you. You sound like you had a uh, busy weekend moving and whatnot. Um, it was, so it actually wasn't too bad. I finally so I'm in between houses, um, and I moved <laughs> out of one. I finally got all the stuff out. But this was the first weekend I didn't go to Fayetteville. It was the first weekend I've been home in three weeks. I didn't really do a whole lot. I kind of lounged around Saturday, watched a little bit of the baseball game, watched a lot of basketball. Same kind of same thing with Friday once I got done with pro day and like radio and all that. So it was actually it was kind of nice, um, <laughs> nice recharge because it's going to be kind of pedal to the metal really from a baseball perspective the next couple weekends. I'll be yeah. at LSU. I might go to Auburn, and then you know home series. That's that's kind of it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of off to the races from yeah. here. Spring football this weekend. So yeah. Pack show. I guess we I mean shouldn't bury the lead here. Ole Miss related podcast. We'll go with the Ole Miss baseball team first. <laughs> Are you sure um, you don't want to go to softball first? We we can talk a little softball, <laughs> no. honestly, too. They seem to have it rolling. Yeah. Um it, which is like it this seems like what? This is Smith's fourth year. This is kind of a firmly his team fingerprints oh, all yeah. over it. It's a, yeah, it's fourth or fifth, I'm not sure. But yeah, so I mean it's 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 no holdovers anymore. No, it's no, all no, his it's, kids and his no, he ran he ran everybody off after yeah. he first. But yeah. Uh, they had a really good weekend. I mean, they're kind of a they're probably it's probably the team that not to go too far in softball, but the team that hosted a regional. This team's probably better than that team. It seems like it. It seems like they're off to a better start. So starters, Ole Miss gets off to a I would say a rough start this weekend. Friday seemed like I didn't catch all of it. I was I had, I went to a dinner. I caught pieces and parts of it. It seemed like a sloppy game. Uh, I thought Ole Miss just lost a baseball game on Friday, whereas on Sunday at Missouri they just. They blew it. They didn't play well. I thought, you know, sometimes you just go out there and the other guy's better than you. I kind of thought that's what Friday was. Isaiah Campbell was really good, and he just shoved it. And Will Etheridge probably didn't, was probably as – he. I thought Will Etheridge was fine, but it was probably his worst game of the season. And Ole Miss just, you know, couldn't get into it against a really good pitcher. He gives up two in the first, one in the second, one in the third. Yeah, I mean, just didn't really have, you know, his best stuff, which happens. They made an error behind him early, didn't they? Uh, they ruled it a hit um, in the first, I think. But I mean, look, it. I just I kind of thought Ole Miss just got beat on Friday night, and and that happens in baseball. But they probably could have played a little bit cleaner. That is what got moved moved Zabowski. You know, he didn't play first base the rest of the weekend. Zabowski got moved to DH after Friday night, and that's kind of what what led to that. Which we'll get to that in a second. Which seems to be working. Like yeah. not necessarily that 
leg in particular, but the way Bianco constructed his lineup Sunday. So they lose the game on 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 Friday, and it's kind of to the point with this team where you're after that night, you're thinking they could you know, it could can collapse. they get a game? How can you know? How is this gonna? Yeah, I mean it was. It was teetering on the fact that maybe this team isn't going to figure it out. I know that's stupid to say. The baseball season is five months long. It's 56 games. There's a lot of twists and turns. To count a team out in late March is dumb. But the way they had been playing Kentucky. and but what yeah. they have ahead of them, it was kind of like, okay, they better like, yeah, they better kind of figure this out like quickly. Yeah, and they respond with a gutsy win gutsy on four to three wins. That that might end up being their most important win of the yeah. year because what they got behind. Three to one. Three, they were up one nothing. Give up three in the fourth. Nikhazy didn't necessarily seem to have his best stuff, but that kind of outing to me, he ends up churning out five and two thirds. Just competed his guts out. He stranded two runners in the second and the third inning. Yeah. He stranded one in the first. He avoided complete disaster when they did score three runs in the fourth on two home runs. Yeah. And he still gave them a, gave them a quality outing on a day when he didn't have his best up. And for a true freshman on the road against a top ten opponent, like that's kind of what separated him and 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 kind of helped him solidify the Saturday thing. Is yes, his stuff is good. Yes, he's a talented kid, but his composure and demeanor has really helped him through some adverse circumstances. Because in every one of his starts, yeah, he's had an inning to where it could have gone off the rails, but it didn't. Gave up three in an inning, two in an inning at Louisville. Kind of the same thing against ECU on yeah. one pitch. And he hasn't let it get off the rail. Right, yeah. And that's kind of what sets him apart from most freshmen is, is he stays composed in those big situations and he's able to deliver. Um, when Ole Miss, you know, frankly, hasn't been able to make, and, and I hate this reference, when, when they haven't been able to get off the field uh, in big situations, that, you know, Nikhazy's been able to do that for them. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was really gutsy on Saturday. Look, Austin Miller got the ball, too. And that kid, it, it's one of the best stories on the team. He didn't get much – you didn't get much any, anything out of him. I don't think he made the postseason roster last year. And he's right now their best reliever by far. Which is crazy because you go into the year – and you went into the year after the the winter and fall that he had, knowing he was going to contribute right. this year. You didn't know it would be this much. But the fact that Myers, Green – and Miller are kind of their – I mean, they're the three most reliable well, guys. Well, Roth. Like, yeah, Roth too. But the fact that – out of like if you said what four pitchers are getting the most – like what is Ole Miss getting the most out of their bullpen pick, the four pitchers, are you picking all three of them? Uh, Well, you got to do something with Parker. I'm saying before Crazy. Uh, before, so before Crazy, Crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those three guys, yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, Green, Roth, Miller, and, and Myers are kind of you know what you're relying on. But would you have picked that in February oh, God, if I no. said pick four guys before Caracy, <laughs> That That's what you're going to no, get to No, I would have. It's I would, crazy. I would have said Greer Holston, Jordan Fowler, and those guys haven't thrown an SEC game this year. Hell, Greer hasn't thrown in a game. I would have said Zach Phillips because I didn't envision him starting necessarily. Yeah, fair enough, because you thought Roth was going to be the Saturday guy, and we can get into that in a little bit. But, yeah, just on Saturday, that was probably the gutsiest win they've had this season. It was, and it, it really felt like it, too. because they, So they get down 3-1, they battle back. Um, Gray Kessinger hits a go-ahead double in the ninth, and then Caracy kind of puts the clamps on it in the bottom half. And it was a win that, like I mean, gut, I mean, gutsy is such a cliched word, but it was yeah. like it was hard to come by. It was a game for a while you didn't think they were going to win. They scratch a run across in the fifth, and the sixth, Keenan homered, Zabowski homered, two good signs for guys that that middle of the Ole Miss lineup feels like it's starting to kind of and if it does, into that mur- murderer's row is such a like hyperbolic cliche, yeah. but like but kind of. I mean, they're kind of hardening into the like well, arduous path you thought it was going to be to get through. I guess when we get into a little bit of the lineup change on Sunday, man, going Tyler Keenan, Thomas Dillard, Cole Zabowski is not fun. 
Like, when they're hitting. Yeah, yes. I mean, you've got to be – well, you know, I mean, even if they're kind of scuffling like they are right now, like Thomas Dillard has a, barely has a 700 OPS in SEC play. He's still feared when he gets into the batter's box. Like, they, they still throw him first-pitch curveballs. So, I mean, that, that takes a mental strain when you have those type of three guys that, that hit like they do. Um, and, and if they get it going, I mean, th- this team can reach its ceiling. And what's interesting is, so Zabowski has a 7 of 13 weekend with six yeah. RBIs. And in a lineup, and we've talked about it on this show a lot, this lineup, what, what was undersold was losing the consistency of Will Golson and Nick Fortes. And and that's why, like, with those guys never slumping, it masked short-term struggles from other places in the lineup. Yeah. And that's what it did last year. It allowed guys like Dil- I mean, like Zabowski and Cockrell to struggle for short stretches. They never really slumped for significant parts, but when you have a four-game, five-game stretch where they're not hitting, when you have the consistency from two bats like that, it kind of covers it up. And that's what you're kind of getting from Zabowski this year, and he's really been the only one. I yep. mean... Cooper Johnson is probably the two right. most consistent hitters they've had on the team this year. No, well, I mean, Olenek. Yeah, I was going to say yeah, uh, Olenek. I mean, he's still hitting three eighty. I know he struggles on an SEC play, but yeah, um, you know what's crazy is uh, Zabowski. If you'd have told me after his freshman year he was going to be an All SEC player, I'd have never believed you. Um, and and that kid has probably put one of the better, uh, you know, uh, what am I trying to say? Slash lines out of the uh, class that was recruited the six, the sixteen class on and the with team. With all that pub that class. God, he didn't get it. Forgotten guy. Yeah, 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 and and he's probably one. Of the, he's probably their best hitter out of that class right now. Um, so yeah, just just going forward, it, it's probably you know I don't know why you'd alter this lineup. You know, maybe some modifications left so, versus right thing. So they get to we'll get to that. We'll get to that now. I guess a good segue. So they get the win, and it's even. And you're kind of thinking, okay, they it's 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 not mission accomplished, but it's disaster disaster avoided. avoided. Yeah, and. If they can steal a win on Sunday, it goes a long way to rectify it. And then I, like, when I saw the lineup card this morning, I was like, okay, there's well, some actual thoughtful are, change being put in. Have, have you seen the tweet on the on the internet where it said, what would you tweet if, uh, you, you know, you had to tweet something to show that you had been kidnapped? That's what I thought Bianco was tweeting when he tweeted out that lineup. <laughs> I thought he would have been, like, kidnapped or something. So... He bats Ryan Olenek in the leadoff spot. Which he shut it down a month ago. Gray Kessinger second. Which is fine because he's a really good hitter right now. Tyler Keenan third. Which is Thomas fine. Dillard fourth. Cole Zabowski fifth. Yes. And we're talking baby steps here. <laughs> but that's a really well thought out nope. lineup. And Olenek has been... like Olenek should have been the leadoff guy two weeks ago, no? Yes. <laughs> I mean... He's has a, he came into the day with a 464 OBP. Yeah. <laughs> He's hitting 380, 80-ish. 370. Yeah, which something. is going down a little bit, but it had to. The thing with the traditionalist like Mike Bianco is that he doesn't walk. But the problem is, I mean, not the problem with that. Yeah, the problem with that theory <laughs> is. Is he's already walked nine times this year? You know he's two walks away from matching his career high in for walks in a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not shocking. It's but no, it's a low bar set. But the point being, he's made a conscious effort, albeit not. Oh, he's unborn, better. He's taking more pitches. Yeah, and he still gets hit a lot because he's aggressive to a fault. He's been aggressive to a fault. Yeah, I mean, and you can't turn that off. No, but, you can't. But the point being, he's making a conscious effort to see more pitches. Right. So he had a walk today. So that's either nine or ten walks. So he's. Like, 11 walks in a year is the most he's had in a year, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, yeah. And he's getting hit by pitches. I mean, the, the 464 OBP pe- speaks for itself, right? I mean, that's... Yeah. You 
You need to put that in the leadoff that needs, hole. That needs to not be in the or five hole. higher than fifth. <laughs> and what do you know? So he hits leadoff. And they score they 10 runs. for 10 runs. And one through five in the lineup goes 11 for 22 with eight RBIs. Interesting how that works. <laughs> it's uh, It was it, – What game number is this? Uh, 28. 28. <laughs> 28. Halfway through the season, and they have found a lineup. So they got there. But it is a lineup that works. And I think – and. Not to take credit for a hot take, but I thought Kevin Graham was going to stay in this lineup, and he's shown the power yeah. to be able to do it. I think they've kind of found something. Well, he's going to be a really good player for them, you know, in the next two to three years. Um, he's going to hit in the middle of the order for this team. So, yeah, I, I think Graham's, uh, you know, a really good option at first base. I thought he played really well defensively um, on Saturday and Sunday, which, you which know, just big if Zabowski's going to DH. Well, yeah, that, I mean, Zabowski will still play in the field versus lefties, but yeah. Um, you know, uh, ground planner, good first base, really helped them out because Zawalski obviously had his struggles at first base, and you know maybe that lets him frees him up and allows him to hit better. Yeah, I mean it certainly could. Yeah. Um, and it was just interesting because that's the first lineup where you're kind of like, this makes a ton of sense. Maybe they found <laughs> something here, but I am guessing that Elko was held out partially as a precaution and partially yeah. because of health. So what does that look like when he's healthy? I think he replaces at some point if – what's the video do today? Do you know? I don't guess you have a box score in front of you because I'm kind of curious what – because he, he kind of struggled the first Friday and I don't Saturday. think he played today. No, he started today. He was in right field because he robbed a home run. That's right. He robbed a home what run. What was I looking at then? I think Tim Oko has to play. Like, I think you've got to find at bats for that so kid. So, your video hit ninth, went one for five. Yeah, I mean, I think at some point you kind of just throw Elko in right field and tell him to go get it. And you live with the defensive ineptitude? Which is not a He's not they're bad. Not a bad. They're not a good defensive outfield as a whole. No, but I don't think Tim Elko is a horrible – I think he's just like Dillard out there. Yeah, but when you have two Dillards and an Olenek, <laughs> it's kind of like – Fair enough. Um, but you could you could put Servideo at second or Adams at second. I would probably you know put Adams at second versus lefties and Servideo versus righties. But I just think Elko and you may disagree with me here. I think he's kind of just you, you can't forget about that kid. Now Chase, no, Cock- he's, got, he's a talented hitter that they need to stick with. I agree. Now Chase Cockrell, on the other hand, I think you might have to just let relegate him to a pinch hitting role at some point. And this weekend he started two one, games. One game. One. He didn't start after Friday. That's no, right. Over three or three Ks. Yeah. <laughs> Not going with the I told you so, but I think midweek that doing that against midweek pitching was an aberration more than anything. Yeah, and you know they've started kinda, seeing SEC breaking balls. They've kind of gotten hurt twice by because uh, you know Zach Phillips goes and has the really good outing against UAB, and they trot him out there against Alabama. They've gotten hurt by what do you like? What do, I don't know what you call it. Fool's gold. It, it's a little bit of fool's gold. It's yeah. kind of like too good to be true. Yeah, and and you know I understand him starting him Friday though. I do too. I, I get it. I don't. I, don't, I, don't I mean, especially if Elko's not available. And I don't, I don't. You know, I we could be. I could be told I was wrong on Monday. Um, I don't think he was available because I think at some point he gets a pinch hit opportunity this weekend if he's available. Yeah. No. No. I. I. I don't think it was a. We have this lineup. It's going to work. I. I think it was a precautionary slash health and what i'm saying is game five of a super uh, game five of a regional game three of a super regional is he hitting probably but is he hurt yes (laughs) yeah so regular season mid-march you're not playing him i guess is what i was getting at there so and then tyler myers in a game that would appear to be headed for a slugfest it's a 5-5 game in the fifth after phillips struggled arkansas had five runs and that was plenty (laughs) yes and tyler myers continues to pitch well that's now 10 straight 
innings of shutout he baseball. Four today? Three? Went four today, four scores innings. He's given up four hits in his last ten innings, hasn't given up a run. Yeah. I mean And before Memphis had not pitched since March the sixteenth. Hey. <laughs> Just for, kind of forgot he existed. Um but yeah, I mean he's a guy he's probably what he's probably behind right behind Miller at this point, right? Of guys you want on the mound in a big situation. You know, before Crazy, obviously. And what is it about? I mean is like to me, he's a very he's a versatile piece too because obviously he's proven that as you did today and a couple of times he he can eat up innings in long relief. But I think in, he's got good enough stuff where you put the kid on with runners on in a high leverage situation, he'd be it. fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean he he keeps the ball down the zone. He's got a really good breaking ball. I, I think he's you know uh, he's only a sophomore freshman. A freshman, I can't remember. Um, so you talk about, but you talk about it like an a quote unquote X factor, which is so corny yeah. to say in baseball. But you talk about a versatile tool out of a bullpen when you're getting struggles well, elsewhere. Look no further. I mean, he's it. Well, look, I, uh, I I kind of pulled the numbers, and if you go, if you add up Parker Caracci, and this this is it's small sample sizes, but these guys have thrown 28 innings in SEC play. If you add up Parker Caracci, Austin Miller, um, Tyler Myers, Houston Roth, and Max Chofey's numbers uh, in SEC play, they've got like a .4 ERA. You know, that's five guys in the bullpen, and I think it's around 28 innings, so it's about five or six apiece. That, that have been really, really good for you in SEC play, and it seems like those are kind of going to be the guys you rely on going forward. So how much credit do you give Mike? And I know I know, I know, know Miller wasn't this year, but like he found two JUCO guys that are now inadvertently in Myers and Miller that are like, I mean, where are they without those two? That's a hell of a job by Carl Lafferty. <laughs> Let's just put it like that, because you go out and, and scout two guys coming out of JUCO that immediately, you know, Miller obviously didn't pitch a lot last year, but that kind of wasn't his fault. They were kind of loaded in the pen last year. They thought they were, and both of them are really good. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Myers is going to. I think Myers has got a chance to start for them at some point. You know, maybe not with you know Hogland and Akazi, but I think Myers has got you know ninety ninety one. He's got good breaking ball, can flip in the strike zone. I think he's got a really good you know ceiling going forward. So you're thinking next year that's a possibility? Maybe because you're gonna lose year, you're yeah. losing Etheridge and you know, I mean somebody's gotta step into that role. Now Houston Roth might be back. And and that's what I was gonna say next is is Hogland again didn't didn't have the outing that you probably needed out of him. So I wasn't I was moving stuff, I was watching on and off, but obviously he comes out in the third, comes out in the fourth. Something. I think it was what the third. I don't I, I was not examining him close enough today admittedly because other stuff going on i don't know what it like what was it he left everything up and when he's throwing 90 miles an hour i mean breaking balls up he was really good in the first inning but i mean when everything's up and he's not gonna overpower you power you ever um it's just not gonna work so i think at some point like i think you probably give him florida but i think if you give him florida you got to have him on so quick of a leash that i mean you you got people in the pen in the first inning because i'm telling you if he pitches like that against florida that he's gonna get ramrod and see that's what puts him in a tight spot because they've gotten fairly fortunate enough at this point because Etheridge and Nikhazy being good the last couple of weeks, yeah. is their pen hasn't been too taxed by a Sunday game. Right. But you get into a slugfest on Friday or Saturday at some point, like, like yes, he can still be on a short leash, but like there's not a ton behind him. Even if yeah. he is, like you almost can't afford the short leash. Well, I kind of think aspects. you remember last year how they they used Etheridge for James MacArthur yeah. insurance. I think they're going to have to either either start Roth or use him as Gunner, use him for Gunnar Hogland insurance right now. I would agree with that, and Roth has been better the last couple weeks and i think that's a really health good. thing i think he's just finally yeah. healthy because it was his non-throwing shoulder but the thing about it is when you're kind of on the turn through 
like when you're twisting and turning yeah, and contorting your body. Yeah, it's it it's it's a painful deal. So there's obviously this lineup seems to be figuring it out. There's seems to be enough in the pen. If like you said, if if they can figure out and they can like they can survive. I don't. Th- I think there. I think eventually, if he continues, if Hoglund continues to, or Hoglund continues to pitch that way, there will be a change. But they can survive with that on Sundays. If they survive yeah. with James MacArthur on Sundays Fair last enough. year, they can survive now, with Hunter Hoagland. I get what you're saying, but they hit a lot better last year. They too. did, but you're starting to see more and more shades of True. last year hitting wise. I don't think it necessarily will be as good, but they can survive. And so, point being is, it gives Mike some freedom and flexibility, and not as much pressure to like you know I gotta have somebody give me five or six on Sunday otherwise we don't have a chance to win a series right and, and a lot of that's a credit to Doug Nikhazy because the kid just goes out and, and get like he was like he didn't have his best stuff yesterday at all and he just goes out and try, gives you 5.2 and three runs and you'll take that most every Saturday he started against East Carolina Louisville um, Missouri and Arkansas and he's given five every single time at least yeah yeah and probably could have gone more against East Carolina. They just pulled him for pitch count reasons. And I believe that was his worst one. It was five flat because yeah. he's gone five. He's got, the, the, uh, this was the only other one where he hasn't made it six. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, he he's kind of saved this team right now. And oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, if because I don't know where they like if Doug Nikhazy, you would have you had to pull Zach Phillips. I don't know where else you. I mean, Houston. You would have had to go Roth, but what does that even look like? Because you're having to go Roth while he's still kind of trying to get over the injury thing. He Oof. has, you know, you lose some confidence with a bad start while he's still figuring out kind of the shoulder thing. Where are they exactly? I, mean, I guess the only other option is, is maybe Austin Miller gets Myers. Yeah, Myers. He'll start Karaisi or something. <laughs> but, um, I mean, there's a team MVP at this point. It's it's Doug McKay. Yeah, it's yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I, like you said, I don't know where this team is. Well, but you know, going forward, if you, if I'd told you three weeks ago, if I would, if I'd said this team's going to be five and four after nine SEC games, that that wouldn't be like nobody would have panicked at that point. I would have most people would have taken that. No, and it's because of what they did this weekend. Because man, if they like it, it at the same time, they be, take two or three from Alabama, which is fine. Don't take advantage of a sweep, but then go lose two or three at Missouri, and then two or three at Arkansas with what they had in front of them. Like that's yeah. what the, like the sat whatever game you want to point to. Like it's really the Saturday game. Them gutting yeah. out the Saturday game dramatically changed the outlook. of It how changes they look the, at the dynamic for today. Like you go into today with man, there's not much pressure here. Like we're just going out here and playing. You go into today zero and two, and all the pressure in the world is on your shoulders. So our listeners think it's Monday, but I see what you're saying. I'm sorry, man. Look. It doesn't matter. <laughs> We've gone back and forth on that it's, like six times. It's, oh. it's Sunday at nine o three p.m. <laughs> oh. But yeah, no. To your point, and it changes outlook. Like we said on Friday, like uh, two win- if they can somehow find a way to get two wins, it rectifies a lot, if not just about everything they've done to this point. And that's exactly what they did. So now, this is another. And you're going to say this every weekend going forward, but you're catching a Florida team that what did they do? Swept. So they got right against Alabama. They're feeling. I assume better about they themselves. finished it off today. Oh look, they were up like five to one. They so Ole Miss obviously you got to get two. But yeah, went to. Yeah, I mean, it's a huge weekend, and it's a Florida team that's – there's still enough talent. They haven't been a good baseball team the last couple of weeks, but there's enough talent there where, like, you're not going to snooze to two games. No, absolutely in not. In the slightest. No, they, threw, they do throw three right-handed starters, so that's an advantage for Ole Miss. Another bullet, bullet yeah. dodge there. 
So that's going to be what uh, you know. Just going forward a little bit, Kentucky, as bad as they are, throws two left-handed guys, and they have a first-round pick that's a left-handed guy. So you know, looking at these next two series, you're, I think the goal's just got to be go four and two. You got to figure out a way to go four and two against Kentucky and Florida. If that's one win, three wins, two and two, one and or three and one, whatever. I think you just when you get through with fifteen SEC games, you got to look up and be nine and six. Yeah, I, I would I would certainly agree with that. So. Kind of putting a bow on baseball. They play North Alabama, eleven o'clock Tuesday morning. Wait, what? Oh, I thought you know, they play North Alabama, eleven o'clock on Tuesday morning. No, I think this is Southern Miss week. Sure. This, yeah, I, think. I swear it's North Alabama week. Because man, it's it's uh, it's like kids' oh, day game. Son of a. God. <laughs> is it is it North Alabama? Yeah, you were one hundred percent right. Number one, I wrote that wrong in the story. Oh, get to go change that. I'm gonna go change that. Number two crud for an 11 a.m. game on Tuesday. Unbelievable. I did just Anyway. Do you have class? No. Oh, man, you can't skip class for it. No, I, I can't. <sighs> okay. <laughs> you sound disturbed. Uh, no, I just... We're doing a show in Philadelphia on Monday, so I'm driving back late Monday oh. night and then just... Well, just just cover from the house. You can get somebody to send you some quotes. That uh, doesn't really fly, but... <laughs> it, you, anyway, I, I, I can't complain, but... I did not know it was the school day game. I'm glad I just you just pointed that out because I had my I was a week off. They go to Trustmark next week. So yeah, North Alabama, 11 a.m. school day game. Um, lots of screaming kids. Should be a good time. Hopefully nobody gets hit by a foul ball. Yeah, that's my biggest worry with those things is they have all these kids in there and they've been pretty good about like keeping like you know watching and keeping the kids somewhat alert and all that. But they're seven. Little, yeah, it is. It is. It is a little worrisome. Um, <laughs> it's a screamer and. Daggum Timmy if he ain't, got, he ain't wearing yeah, one. Yeah, like, it, it's almost like you should put some netting down each, yeah. like, line for that game. Because, yeah, somebody... And eat one. Knock on wood. Let's hope it doesn't yeah. happen. It hasn't happened yet. Um, So, that's about it for, for, for that. I guess we'll transition. I don't even know where to start with basketball. It was just so, like, mind-melting. I mean, it was <laughs> an awesome well, weekend of basketball. Mind like, melting. the Thursday games were kind of a... Like, we went over those. It was kind of a little bit of a crapper. But, like... Friday, Duke Virginia Tech, awesome, awesome game, awesome game. Duke gave Duke, it. Duke got what they deserved on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, they did because they very well could have won that game. Buzz Williams drew up two really, really nice looks for Virginia Tech yep. at the end. They schemed the hell out of that game. That was a great coaching job. They gave it all they had. Duke was just better. Yeah, and they they were they were in it to the end. They just kind of gave way. North Carolina Auburn. Awesome. You, you don't call that awesome. I call that an ass kicking. No, <laughs> for twenty for for thirty three minutes, that was awesome. And okay. then Auburn kind of pulls away. I mean, that game it was sixteen to twelve, like four and a half minutes in, and you're like, I need a breather. And I'm just like, I was like watching this. It's like the Step Brothers on. He's like sweaty. He got sweaty watching cops. I was like sweating on the couch. I was like, I need this thing to be like. I need to slow down a little bit. This is nuts. Well, you, Michigan State just mauled LSU on Friday. Kind of saw that coming though. Yeah. Coaching mismatch. LSU was not a very well coached team with Will Wade necessarily. They sure wasn't without, without with him. Will Wade, it was a lot of organized chaos. And you so would they call it organized chaos. Yeah, and then, <laughs> golly, Houston had the game won. They're up they three did. with a minute left. Tyler Hero hit a tremendous Just shot. Cold it was huge. Blooded. Yeah, he huge. got that ball, and you knew it was going in. And what it's fifty eight, fifty seven, like at that point. And then Hero makes a it's shot. It completely changes the dynamic of the game because now Houston's like, do I have to foul? Do we play the possession out? Like, tremendous shot. So they move on. That was a that Houston team though was a good team. Like they could have Auburn probably would have beaten them today, but that would have been a fun matchup. Right. So 
Um, yeah, and and okay, so we're in the final four. And our final four matchups are Michigan State, Texas Tech. Who do you have? Oh man, I think Michigan State. See, I think I got Texas Tech. I think they. I don't know if Michigan State can score enough because man, that defense is legit. I didn't think they could do what they did to Gonzaga. Yeah, I I, I agree. And so anyway, you get to, to a nice segue there because you get to Saturday and you had two incredible games like just like couldn't have asked for any better if you weren't a gonzaga fan they were incredible yeah so I, that was the shocker of the day for me because i knew texas tech defended really well but gonzaga just like they let that game get really physical and that played into virginia into texas tech hands and gonzaga honestly got exposed for being soft like Rui didn't handle the physicality there you had few bitching at the referees constantly like they refused to throw the ball inside and i don't know if he was like worried about how they were handling it inside or what but like they had a mismatch on him like what are you doing yeah i mean Rui didn't play well perkins was horrible um you know when you, when you get that bad a play from your point guard position obviously look i'm a little biased i'm a gonzaga fan but it just it was gross, and and they couldn't get stops. Was really what kind of alarmed me down the stretch. Texas Tech was getting what they wanted on offense, and and just Gonzaga could not get the stop to to get back in the game. And and obviously they shoot it so poorly from three. Norvell was horrible. Yeah, and that doesn't happen to Gonzaga every game. But to me, that was like Gonzaga has a gear that when they hit it, no one else can really play with them except for I would probably contend Duke just because Duke's sheer athleticism. But like. That was the most shocking one of the day yeah. for me because I just I didn't see that coming at all. I, I thought Texas Tech had a good run, but man, Chris Beard was coaching at a place called like McMurray six years ago, <laughs> now and he's going to San Angelo four. State four years ago, Goodness. and now he's in the Final Four at what has been consistently ranked the worst job in the Big Twelve. Yeah, and you know that's kind of I'll talk about that for a second. Everybody has these preconceived, um, you know, this is this team's ceiling. Man, look if Texas Tech can make the Final Four. There's not many teams that can't make the Final Four with the right coach. Oh, well, sure. You get two players in there. What, they have uh, Owens Culver. and Culver, who are kind of uh, – Owens, not really. Culver, NBA prospect, sure. obviously. Might end up – probably going to end up being a lottery pick. Sure, yeah. And then, you know, Owens is a long-rangey player. You get the right combination of that and a couple guards that can fill it up and boom, that kind of there you have it. Yeah, so, I'm, yeah, I mean, there's – the ceiling thing is probably a little overrated, but it's much harder to do it at places like Texas Tech, which is just – like I, that's the best coaching job you've seen in what? They lost what five of seven con- contri- contributors from an Elf elite, elite eighteen, 18 last, last year, yeah, and make the final four. Yeah, pick seven. I'm in not the shocked at all if they win this thing. No, I'm not either. See, now we're to the point. Even with Auburn and Michigan State being in there, I'm not shocked if anyone wins this thing. I, if if you said I will, you have to get it right to, and I will give you a thousand dollars. I'm taking Virginia, but I'm scared to Same. death doing it. I'm scared because I think Virginia is just better than everybody at a little bit better than everybody at everything. So, but you know, Virginia was a, a bounce away from not being there. Yeah, I mean, Carson Edwards was insane in that elite. You know, everybody and, and and they're right. Like all everything always regresses to the mean, except for Purdue's three point shooting. It didn't <laughs> because you had Carson Edwards lose his mind. You had Klein have the best shooting stretches of his, stretch of his entire career. But just making so, so that secondly, like, Virginia is very, very fortunate to be where they are. They are, but they deserve a break too. They they deserve to bounce. I'll say that, but man, you talk about a break. So they 
they foul uh, they oh, Purdue God. fouls, which is the right strategy. Yes. And then you make one, you miss one. So it's seventy sixty eight. He misses the second one, appeared to be unintentionally. I don't you think, think it was unintentional. Yeah, I don't think okay. he was trying to miss that. Okay. Unless I'm misremembering. They tap it back out. It goes beyond the backcourt. Then he throws And I'm yelling timeout. Like call a timeout. He throws a twenty five foot pass that uh what's his uh Diakite. Yeah, Diakite. Literally just kind of like floats it and touches it up there because he didn't have enough time to do anything didn't else. Hit over net. Like, like I was because when that when they went to the line and it was seventy sixty seven and they fouled, I was like, "This is over. Purdue's got this. There's literally not enough time." Yeah. And then because that's the only way you can lose is to give up that rebound. And people that are like the the non foul people had to feel right no, you foul you every single because there had to be four winning plays there versus one. Yes. You yeah. had to tap it. You had to miss it in the right spot. You had to tap it back out. They have to get you it. You have to get it. You have to make the right pass, and you have to make the shot. As opposed, to if you don't foul a three pointer, and hey, it's overtime. <laughs> I mean, I mean, and you know, Todd Jerome and Kyle Guy, they they can shoot the thing a little bit. They can. <laughs> so, you know, it was the right play, and it sucks for Purdue. It didn't work out, but you know, Virginia, I'm, I was I was happy for Tony Bennett and and that that program because man, they deserve to be in a Final Four by now. Because you know, for a for a I'll just say it, an organization that in college basketball that doesn't do things really the right way, that's one program that kind of does. Yeah, and they've handled it. I, even just beyond that, they've handled the losing to a 16 seed about as well as you can. Yeah. And like he's, they've gotten asked the questions. Like I was in there for the round, in round of 64 game when Bennett was asked, you know, how do you find peace of mind and how do you find perspective and stuff like that. And obviously you knew you were going to get the question and, and you knew they weren't going away, but just for them to handle it the way they have – and Kyle Guy had an incredible quote after the game um, when they were he was asked about it again after the win. He said, look, like last year we made bad history. This year it's like motivating us to make good history, which right. is like the most like simplistic yet like like perfect way to put that. And like it just like because that can break it, break a team and a oh, program yeah. mentally like that well, can break a coach mentally. Well, and his whole question, his whole philosophy on basketball, and they yeah, stuck with that, it and they're back. at the You moment. know, and everybody and I get it. Everybody was like, I don't know if Virginia can win in March playing it the way they do. This is not the Virginia of two years ago. This team score. is they can score, man. Kyle Guy and Todd Jerome can play. On, I mean, on both ends of the four. Well, Kyle Guy really can't play defense. But, uh, I mean, they they got two guys that can light it up on you. They just kind of do it slowly. Yeah, and, it, and it's already vindicated. Like, you made the Final Four. Like, wait, if they lose in the Final Four game, like, that's not an aha. But gotcha I don't think thing. they are. I don't think they are either. Um, but, but man, how right. are you betting against Auburn at this point? I, like they, Bad strategy. <laughs> yeah, dude. They, they, I thought that. I, I, kinda, I thought they were done. I kind of wrote them off when Okiki gets hurt. They're down five and a half. Yeah, they're down five and a half. They're obviously missing him, his his defensive presence inside. I mean, it's playing his day, and they just roll in the second half. And good for Auburn, good for Bruce Pearl. That's like quote unquote team of destiny that is everyone it, likes to point out. That's like, the team that's on one that you're just kind of like, I don't know what's going on there. I kind of like Bruce Pearl. Oh, like, he's a likable guy. Everyone likes him. I kind of like Bruce Pearl. He might be scum, but I think he's kind of a good dude. Scum is such a dumb. Like I, Nancy Armour at USA Today wrote the column before the Sweet 16 that he's everything that's wrong with college <sighs> basketball. I mean, he's in tears over that kid getting hurt. Like he obviously cares about the kids. He's playing the game the way every program. Everybody plays the gets game. paid. Break, breaking news. Can we break that here? And is paying poor kids. <laughs> To help supplement them while they get through college, scum. I mean, what are we talking? I mean, seriously, what are we talking about? I mean, no, you're right. You're right. I, I shouldn't even. It's, calling it, someone scum for breaking rules that has no victims is just dumb. And so, well, I don't know if you heard the universities are victims. 
Yeah, exactly. The whole exactly that's what shows what a farce this is. Is when it's finally tried in an actual court of law by the FBI, they have to make the case that the schools are victimized by it, which is just <laughs> absurd. They make billions off these kids. Anyway, we've gotten on a tangent. Bruce Pearl is a likable guy. Extremely. I think his peers like him. I think they just know what he does. <laughs> he's like a likable cheater. I mean, basically, it is what it is. And it's not like he's cheating any more egregiously than anyone else. Like, I'm no. not trying to, like, brand the guy as, like, a martyr. PJ Washington went to Kentucky for free. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's <laughs> and I don't know why he dislikes Cal. Well, I guess some people do, but I love Cal. Yeah, exactly. but, but they're both likable, charismatic Speaking dudes. of which, just on Cal for a second, five years in a row they haven't gone to the Final Four. I don't buy into that. You know how hard Man, it is to get to a Final Four? I understand, four. but those folks up there are crazy. But Yeah, but but the whole, like, I, of course, Dan Wolken has the most Dan Wolken yeah, take of all time. Yeah, because he's Dan I think, personally, John Calipari is a good coach, but I am telling you then people in Kentucky are pissed. Okay, well, I'm about to squash this argument. They may be. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm not saying they mad. They're they're not mad. But man, this is his last. We'll go since 0506. This is this man's last year's. Well, just do since he got to Kentucky because I, I mean I think that's kind of fair. No, because it, it, it it's not. It's not <laughs> okay. because he's done it before that. So since the 04 year at Memphis, okay? All right, all right. They missed the tournament in 04. Okay. This is first year at Memphis? Second year. Second they year. missed it in the second year. Okay. So he goes Elite Eight, Elite Eight, title game, Sweet 16, goes to Kentucky, Elite Eight, Final Four, champion, misses the tournament, runner up, Final Four, round of 32, Elite Eight, Sweet 16, Elite Eight. I mean, I think he's That's a really good. A, like, you can't argue with that. It's so hard to win a Final Four. It is. It is so hard to win a national championship. You have to get lucky. Duke, Coach K is a bounce away, a rim away from squandering three lottery picks, three top ten picks about not making another round of 32. It happens. If he, if you're consistently in Sweet 16s and you're consistently in Elite Eights, you can't ask for much more. No, you can't, but those folks can because they're nuts. Izzo hasn't won a title since 2001 or whatever. No one's asking about him. Yeah, but that if for all the good Michigan State is, it ain't Kentucky. No, but like like Dan Walken calling John Calipari's tournament job this year oh, a stink God. bomb. No, just, it wasn't a, it's a stink just bomb. Bizarre. I'm just, like it's, uh, it's, it's such a ridiculous take. For, no, I mean, I'm with you. And I don't think, Cal, if you're Cal, you do anything differently than what you're doing. Because, I mean... They've you, had poor luck. They've blown a couple games, but the point. I guess the, the there is I I can understand a little bit of criticism for losing to Kansas State in the Sweet Sixteen last year. Fine, I, I can get that one. That's fine, but like my my God, like what? <laughs> it's just it's getting to a point towards like what else are you asking of this? Guy? I will I will say this is it was Duke the most talented college basketball team this year? Not not this year it ever. Most talented ever? Oh. I- I don't know, man, because you're going back to like five slamming. Yeah, well, you're going that. back to the the Fab Five at Michigan, but it's it's up there, right? No, yeah, no, it's it's in the conversation. You, like it's not can, like blast. Can you call like this fit. season a failure if you're them? No, because because you're talking about Kentucky teams. Like you go look at the Kentucky team with Towns and was on that team with right. the Wall. Kentucky that wasn't team. a failure. They got to the to the they got to the Final Four. No, but my point being is like Cal's had teams with three, four lottery picks that did the same thing. So I don't think it's a failure. I mean, they got beat. It, the tournament is hard, man. No, it is. Winning six straight games if you're anyone is hard. I saw a stat, man, and I wish I could find it, about the, the games Duke lost and how many shots R.J. Barrett took under a minute versus the shots uh, Zion Williamson took, and it was a crime. R.J. Barrett should be arrested. So <laughs> we've gotten off on a tangent here, but they were some great Elite Eight games. You feel bad. Carson Edwards delivered two of the greatest tournament performances anybody's ever seen. That kid can The play. 42 against uh, 
Virginia Nova. in the round of 32. What he did against Virginia in a game that you could argue they should have, could have won, whatever phrase you want to use for it. It was a fantastic game. Saturday was incredible. Today was good in its own right, too. I mean, that Duke game was good. The Auburn-Kentucky game was fun. Just it was a one great more thing. Game. At the end of the Duke game, those, those guys are having to foul to get Michigan State at the line. I think we've got to do something where a team isn't penalized for not fouling. You know, because Duke only had four team fouls. I think we've got to like adopt the NBA rules where the two fouls under two minutes you go to the line. Because I don't think it's fair to Duke that they had to sit there and try to foul with seven seconds left. Well, it goes beyond that because I agree with you. But college basketball's foul. First of all, it's the only level of basketball left in the world does that does two twenty minute halves yeah. instead of four quarters. It's the only level of basketball in the world that still has the stupid seven fouls per half. Because you get a, a, a ref with a happy whistle, and you're the last 12 minutes you're walking back and forth from free throw line to free throw line. So to your point, yes. But if you tweak that, you got to fix the whole thing. I, I mean, I'm I'm fine with fixing the whole thing. It just kind of was annoying watching Duke having to try to foul, and, and they were being seconds. when they're being penalized because they played good defense. Yes, I, I agree with that to to a point certainly. But I, I think if you tweak that, you got to fix the whole thing. Go to quarters, man. This is ridiculous. Let the fa- or if you don't go to quarters, do what they did in the NIT and Just let the fouls reset at ten minutes. Whatever to the point, like. I don't know. It's the only form of basketball on earth that still does it. Well, just go to, I mean, with just the fouls, just two fouls under two minutes, you go to the line for two. Yep. I would agree with that. I hate the one and one, but that's another story. Yeah, and but if you if you changed it, you wouldn't have the one and one. Uh, It would go straight to double. (laughs) Because I hate the one and one. So, I guess lastly, to kind of clean up, we had pro day Friday. Not really a lot. Not really a a lot to report from that. I thought Jordan Tomu had a really good day. He He's showed off his drafted. arm. Yeah, he had a good day. Showed off his arm. Um, it was surreal. Not surreal. It was interesting to watch DK Metcalf, Demarcus Lodge, and AJ Brown talk about them probably sharing the field together for the last time because yeah. that was it for them. It was their last workout. It's dudes that have been through a lot together. I mean, it was really Brown led the way, but like all three of those guys kind of became the face of the program. On I mean, the face of the program through some really trying times, and they could have left and they didn't, yeah. and they got ruined in a bad offense. <laughs> I mean, seeing and, and what was that, the quote they ran right, they learned routes that they Dawson didn't run. Knox, both Dawson Knox and it was either Lodge or Metcalf were saying they've had to explain to scouts and stuff or talk to coaches and talk teams and say, We ran this stuff in practice, just not in games. <laughs> which funny. is, we ran routes in practice, but not in games, which is just and poor Dawson Knox. Have like listen to him say like he's embracing the challenge of showing teams there's more than what's on film. Well, I hope so because Phil Longo didn't give you anything, bro. <laughs> I mean, he ruined it. I mean, he almost forced the kid to come back because he didn't have enough on film, <laughs> and he does. I mean, you could argue he still doesn't, but he I think he kind of does, and he's shown teams that he can block. He's shown teams he's obviously he a hell of an athlete and a great pass catcher. It's it's good luck, North Carolina. Good luck. Yeah, it's just it's 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 baff it really is baffling because I saw an NFL network guy the other day say watching through another Ole Miss loss, it's unbelievable how they squandered <laughs> these weapons and it's kinda of like, Yeah, you're right. I mean with that they think about it. They had in in twenty sixteen or seventeen, they had yeah, an seven. NFL running back. Yep. All those receivers and a veteran offensive line. What are you missing? Why is that offense not scoring against good teams? What are you missing offensively? <laughs> I get that they couldn't stop anybody, but what are they missing? Uh, well, they scored a little bit. In, they scored more in 17 than they did 18, didn't they? They lost at Alabama 66-3. to Well, it's Alabama. But, yeah, I get your point. Um, 
I don't know. You, it's the same I, thing in 18. I, I comped an offensive Scotty coordinator. Phillips, all you're losing, you're trading Scotty Phillips, Phillips for Jordan, Jordan Wilkins, Wilkins. And it's the same thing, and the offensive line is you're better. Yeah, you're missing a competent offensive coordinator. That's that's, the, that's the only missing ingredient. Yeah, he was so bad. He was, and and people got all over McGriff, and I got it, but McGriff wrecked a Pinto. Uh, Longo yes. wrecked a Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to put it because my, I mean, it, it it really is. It's just kind of the like, game against State was the worst I've ever seen. The this year's game against State where they had no prayer. Look, State was really great. They were elite defensively. Ole Miss could do nothing with really good players. <laughs> Literally nothing. I mean, it's it's. No, Corral had to come in. And I get all that, but good God. So not a ton to report from Pro Day. They had a good day. Spring um, football. I, it was interesting. I asked AJ Brown kind of what he's heard from teams, and he said, um, he said, you know, most teams have kind of said they would anticipate me playing both in the slot and on the outside, which I think works to his advantage as well. Yeah, he did both. Drafted. He did both at Ole Miss. Yeah, him being able to do. Oh, you could certainly do it because he started out outside here, and honestly, one of the. I don't know if you call it a good move, but like give Alonga a little bit of credit for moving him inside. That worked. Yeah, sure. sure. But it was everything else around it that did not. So <laughs> it's it's like moving a Olenek to the one hole. Yeah, that, that, that worked exactly. <laughs> so that that helped him, and 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 that'll help him. And I don't know where these guys are going to get drafted. I'm not good at that. It's not my job to be good at that. I think DK is top ten. I think he's a fir- definitely first round pick. I don't know where AJ Brown goes. Second ish. Someone is getting a steal in Dawson Knox. Mm-hmm. Someone who ever drafts that kid that needs a tight end is going to be like, wow. I'm kind of interested to see where Greg Little goes. I think he's falling a little bit. I, I yeah, and I always I get asked why every now and then. I don't really have a good answer. I don't think he's tested. I he think his tests have been underwhelming. Well, he didn't run pro pass sets. Yep. I mean, he didn't He didn't drop. St- I think he'll still be a good offensive Oh, I think he will be too. I, I think, think he got good. unfairly placed. Like, I mentioned this to Richard on the show on Friday. I think he got unfairly placed with the Tunsil expectations. and uh, Nobody's there me Tunsil. Well, exactly. And Richard was like, well, why would you assume this kid uses a gas mask ball to it? I'm like, I'm not talking about the draft, man. I'm talking about from the day he came in, everyone was like, this kid's the next Laramie Tunsil. I'm like, nobody's Laramie Tunsil. Like, Laramie Tunsil... Like, shut down Miles Garrett. I mean, that. Like, he put him on his back. Every yes. Play. <laughs> Larry Tunsil almost made a Pro Bowl as a rookie playing a position that he didn't play in college. Like, yeah. he's Larry Tunsil. I mean, that's just an unfair expectation. So, I, I think Little will be good. I don't know where he's going to get drafted. I think it's I think it's fair to say his stock has probably dropped in the last six, eight months. So, good for them. You know, hopefully, hopefully they'll all have good careers and, and yeah. get drafted well and, and, and at least have an opportunity. Um, that's not really all I had from Pro Day, but we'll be back at it. It's a busy week. A lot yeah, going you have on. Any, you have any uh, in, in, insightful spring football news? Um, no. No, I mean we went over it. I had the, we hadn't talked to him since I had kind of the the, the review on Friday. I guess. Oh, okay. So we okay. haven't had much. We'll we'll have availability probably Monday, tomorrow, today. <laughs> We're recording on Sunday. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll have availability probably twice this week. And then the spring games is Saturday. Ole Miss has a huge baseball game. I imagine I'm anticipating probably some basketball news this week in, in some capacity, whether it's on the recruiting front. Oh, yeah, yeah. I anticipate something I fairly soon. Something. Um, so we'll kind of have you plugged in on that. We'll have coverage at supertalk.fm. For Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. Have a great Monday. A Supertalk Mississippi media production.